0: mac power users episode 515 steven takes one for the team hello this is david sparks joined by my pal steven hackett and welcome to the mac power users hey steven
1: hey how are you good
0: we are due for a feedback episode
1: and uh there is a
0: lot to discuss today
1: this is a, an episode that we've tried to do a couple of times, and then you know our schedules change and things come up, and, and it's it's finally here, and uh, we've got a lot of stuff to catch up on.
0: Yeah, we do. This is going to be like a roller coaster, man. I feel like uh, we got some highs, we've got some lows in this episode.
1: Just for the listeners, there's a whole topic that has no detail in it that David just told me on Skype that he would just tell me about on the show, which... I'm sure listeners have picked up on this. I am extremely type A, like to a fault. Like I like yeah. outlines done days. Into, and it's like this, I'm worried, like whatever yeah. is in this topic, I'm very concerned, but I also have a surprise for you. So maybe things bounce out in the end.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you, you're owed one.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. Um. The, uh, starting out, uh, listener, Stephen, as opposed to co-host Stephen, Wrote in about media management. He says, "I want to put all my iTunes media, lots of movies and music, onto an external drive, and move all that media off my iMac to free it up." You know, this is a common problem we all have. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, these SSDs are expensive, and you start getting media, it fills up the the iPhone. Now takes massive size pictures, so I, I can see why he's got this issue. So anyway, he continues. Um, and he he wants to have all the instances of iTunes and Apple TV devices in his house point to the media on the remote disc. He says, I'm hesitant because I've tried this before with external drives and iTunes noticeably choked and exposed several bugs like album art and movie art now not displaying cor- correctly. And he had to roll back the changes, which was a nightmare. And he really doesn't want to go through another rollback again. So he's looking at NAS solutions. He's looking at uh you know he wants to know what to do. And I thought this would be an interesting thing for us to discuss.
1: It's a huge problem. And I think it goes even beyond sort of the traditional media needs of movies and TV shows. But I think it extends to things like photo libraries. You know, I've I've dealt with that in my own household with my wife's MacBook Air. We just have a lot of big files and they're not getting any smaller, right? Like on are the days of 480p video we're downloading stuff in 1080 or larger and yeah, it's a real it's a real issue. And it's one that we we touched on about a year ago with the home server Mac committee thing, but I think it's always yeah. worth revisiting this because I mean almost every Mac user I talk to, either on the forums or on Twitter or in real life and sort of my small support consulting business, like this always comes up. Always.
0: Yeah. And and one of the things that listener Stephen didn't talk about that I think I want to kind of address it first and then try and answer his question. Cause his question is a little different is okay. cloud storage. You know, um, uh, one of the reasons this question we don't get asked as frequently as we used to is because a lot of the stuff is covered with streaming and cloud storage for your media. I can say for myself personally, when my kids were little, this was a big deal. Like we had to, you know, we had to, we'd buy the DVDs and we'd have to rip them into the system so we could easily play them over and over again you've got little kids you know oh yeah they don't they don't watch a movie just once they watch a movie until they've internalized every scene you know they they watch movies like kubrick fans watch movies yeah and <laughs> that's yeah, <good. laughs> you know and so so that's cool but then my kids start getting older and then you know once or twice and they're good you know to such an extent that now we rent a lot of movies instead of buying them and uh so as that happened, like I started buying digitally through iTunes the movies that I really wanted to have for repeated viewing. And those are, you know me, the usual suspects. But then also we rent movies once in a while. Like they wanted to watch a uh, Hobbs and Shaw for the weekend. I'm like, I don't think I need to own that movie. But we, we rented it and it was fun. <laughs> so using the digital streaming services, especially for things like movies, because they're some of the biggest violators of the space problem. Uh, solves the issue for you, but I don't think that's really what listener Steven wants. But in, in the modern world, I would ask you to reconsider if you're if you're ripping and storing everything you have. It's just for me, I realized that the time I was putting into ripping these movies didn't make sense anymore because uh, it, they just weren't getting watched anymore. You know, I I deleted off of my archive drive tons and tons of movies that i had ripped you know we, we don't need the barbie christmas nutcracker anymore kids don't care you know and uh, so i all these movies that i had ripped over the years uh you know the the dvds are off in a box somewhere and the the movies are off my hard drive so much so i didn't even keep them so so ask yourself do you really need to have a system to manage all this stuff or can you just deal with streaming
1: I've made the same transition you have. Even although my kids are still younger, we're streaming more and more. And with Disney Plus now, that's really sort of solved this for me. Like, I mean, yeah. I will still buy every Pixar movie because I, I want to actually have a file, but a lot of stuff, a lot of Disney stuff, a lot of kids stuff, they're perfectly content streaming and, and as am I. So, uh, my, my needs, I haven't gone through what you've done of of purging the old media library. I still have it all, and I can talk about how I store that. But I tend to agree with you that streaming can, can if you're willing to pay for it monthly and you have the, the internet speed at home, it can be a way to solve this. But obviously, it doesn't work for everybody. A lot of people uh, still want sort of offline storage. Okay,
0: so taking movies on, let's say that you want to – rip your movies, and have them for offline storage. You want to be able to play them on multiple devices in your house like Listener Steven does. I would recommend looking into a Plex server. And uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can run it from an existing Mac. You can run it from a Mac server, like we talked about in that show earlier this year. Or you could get a a NAS drive and run it from there if you want. Um, So there's a whole bunch of ways you can do that. Me and Katie covered Plex I think we had Casey Liss on for that episode. It was several years ago, but it, it largely still is good content. And, you know, so Plex is this app and a service where you can, you know, upload it to your own drive, but then they've got apps that you can load right on on the on the iPhone, the iPad, even on your Apple TV, and then stream those movies from the Plex server. The nice thing about this for a listener, Stephen, is that he doesn't have to unwind his iTunes library. It's outside of your iTunes library, so you don't have to worry about the, I guess the mess he went through the last time you tried this.
1: And Plex is great for things like home videos as well. If you have a lot of those, if you have a bunch of purchased iTunes movies, like, like I do, or a lot of TV shows you've purchased through iTunes over the years, that stuff is still going to be a little bit separate. There are ways to do it that the internet can, can help you with. Uh, I don't think we want to get into like removing iTunes DRM for media files, but uh, Plex is definitely a great place to start. Uh, I found that episode is it's uh, MPU two ninety nine. Uh, I did not have Casey on it, but Casey List is a huge Plex user, and he's written up a, a bunch of stuff on his blog about it. If you do decide to go with a NAS like a Synology for Plex, do your research. the The Plex encoding, if you need to change the uh, codec the videos in on the fly, is really dependent on the CPU in the Synology, and so not all of them are really built for that sort of work. So uh, it's definitely something to to do a little homework. I would definitely to check out the Plex uh, website, the Plex subreddit. I know is is also uh, a pretty solid place for people trying to get p- other people up and running. But it is a uh, it's a very cool thing because you're basically building your own library and your own st- sort of internal to you streaming service all at once. Yeah, I, I think that's
0: probably the best way to go around video. Unless you want to like reinvent something, and nobody really wants to do that. Um, it's kind of a solved problem with Plex. You still have to do the streaming, but like to address Steven's thing about, well, what if it's an Apple, um, thing you bought through Apple? Well, if you bought through Apple, you're good already. You, you can stream it on your devices, so you don't need to bother with all of that. So I think that's the way I would recommend handling movies, uh, going down the stack. I think the next biggest media is probably photos and photo libraries, which kind of includes also personal, um, video shot on your devices and uh, photos is another one you can solve with a cloud subscription and i think that um as much as it pains me to tell everybody you have to give apple more money you just have to get your your photos library you have to buy enough storage in iCloud to store your entire photos library and it's not just for convenience it's also for security in fact as we release this episode we're coming up on the holiday you know it wouldn't be a bad idea if you've got cheapskate you know, family to just buy them the iCloud for the year. Uh, they, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just so important. I mean, we all know people who've lost phones. And if you lose a phone and you don't have the increased iCloud storage, you lose your, your memories as well.
1: The paying for iCloud thing, like it, I know it stinks, but it is, I view it as almost mandatory these days. And you can do it through a gift card. So if you have a family member, you know, and you don't want to put them on your iCloud family sharing. You can get them an Apple gift card and that you pay for it for years in the future uh, with what's on that card. It's a, it's a great way to do it. We've talked about in, uh, in past episodes about how to like, if you are using iCloud photo library, even if stuff's in iCloud, how to move those photos to an external drive. If your internal SSD is full and, uh, I will put that, that show link, um, I'll put a link back in the show notes for that. We've talked about that before, but it is yeah. uh, a useful thing to to see.
0: And they also have an option uh, in iCloud, uh, in the Photos app to just do cloud storage in the app. Like uh, for me on my iMac, I have all native images downloaded and stored. I've got mm-hmm. plenty of room on my drive, but on the laptop, I just have reference the cloud files and it only pulls down what it needs. So, Same. You, you know, there's another way, you know. That's another way around this.
1: Yeah. If you do want backups, though, you need local copies. So, uh, yeah. Check check that out. If you if you listen to all this and you still, you're still saying, "Hey, I do need to store stuff locally," uh, you can't. Like I said, you can go out to the Synology site, pick something out. the 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 plus models on the Synology site are the ones that are sort of built for media encoding. But if you don't need that, you say you just need disk space for an iTunes library. My suggestion, honestly, is do something that is directly attached. I had a Synology years ago and it was it was cool. And I know people who swear by them, so this is just sort of my experience. I didn't like the overhead of it of it's it's basically its own computer. It's on the network. It can do a lot of cool stuff, but I have found over the years that I would rather just have large external drives hooked up directly to a Mac because then I can treat them as a regular external drive. I can back them up to Backblaze really easily because it it supports external drives. And I have the sharing and stuff that's all native to Mac OS. I don't have to deal with the Synology software, which is good. But again, it's just one more thing. And I've really come to appreciate uh, simplifying my storage as time has gone on. So I went from a Synology to a Drobo attached to a Mac Mini over Thunderbolt. I had some issues with that Drobo. And now my uh, media library is on a single four or maybe five terabyte external USB hard drive plugged directly into my Mac mini server. And it's backed up via backblaze and I back it up offsite uh, every once in a while. It's just a single external hard drive and it's a spinning hard drive, not a solid state drive. And I have found that it's fast enough to, to play anything in my media library without stuttering. And uh, it, it definitely works for me.
0: Yeah. And we're going to reference that Mac mini server show from earlier this year again, but I feel like if you're going to spend the money on a NAS drive, you should seriously look at just buying a Mac mini. Um, Because if you're a Mac power user, you're running like things like Hazel and mail rules and things like that. There's just a lot more options you have with an actual Mac than you do something that's running a completely different operating system that you still have to make sure remains patched and updated and gets the software. it needs. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, you know, if you want to take, you know, a lot of this stuff in Mac power users is also, about removing we want you to become a power user but we also want to make it less complex for you and make it as easy as possible and you know when you look at the price of a nas drive you might as well look at a mac mini too or or if you're like me and you've got an imac that's always on i feel like i don't need one i'm good i i run all this stuff off uh, an imac that i just don't it just doesn't go to sleep the screen goes dark but the computer is always running so uh, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. The the last form of media from listener Steven's email that we haven't talked about is music. And, you know, music is, we're going with increasing levels of uh, complexity because music is even smaller. Uh, mm-hmm. These music files. So um, that's something where hopefully you don't need to offload those. If you do all the other things we talked about, if you remove movies, you're going to open up a lot of space. I would recommend trying to just keep it on your drive. If you can't, I would consider, uh, it's not, what is that Apple, I forget the name of the service Apple has now where they upload your library. It's not music, Apple Music, but the, it's, what yeah, is that called?
1: It's uh, iTunes Match, I think is what it's called. iTunes if Match, If you have it. a Apple Music subscription, that is built in. Um, now, it used to be separate, um, but now it's not. But you can still subscribe just to iTunes Match if you want and not get the, the big music library. Uh, iTunes match yeah. is cool though. You basically you rip your CDs or whatever, and then it's 25 bucks a year and it matches to versions in the music store, and then you can stream from that on your other devices. So it's it's limited compared to Apple Music, but it is really cool. I used this for years before Apple Music showed up. Yeah, me too. And and the
0: way I would recommend it, Steven, listener Steven, is <laughs> uh, I would first back up all of my music out of iTunes onto a media drive, like just make a backup of it separately. I've got one of those around here. I've got several of those around here, and then um, and then sign up for the iTunes Match service, and then you can start selectively deleting stuff from your Mac. You could always restore it later if you wanted. And, and in my experience, restoring those files has never really caused much of a problem. And then the other trick to that is getting smart with your playlists. Like I've got certain playlists that I uh, I have built over the years, and like when I'm getting on an airplane or. Doing something where I'm going to be disconnected from the internet, I want my music, I always make sure that those playlists are downloaded on whatever device I'm going to be listening on. So the smart use of playlists plus an iTunes Match account will probably take care of that for you.
1: Yeah, the way that I do that, I have a, an Apple Music playlist called Critical, and yeah. basically any music I want on any device, I put it in that playlist. So like a new album comes out, and I, I want it locally somewhere, I just to that playlist when I add it to my library. And that could be a really nice way, too, when you set up a new device, just like go to that playlist and hit download, and eventually all the music you want will be on your phone. Yeah. Um, So these problems,
0: I think, are easier to solve now than they have been in the past thanks to internet speeds and cloud storage solutions. But if you want to bypass that stuff, I think there there still are, are ways to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Go find a big external hard drive. And like, David, like you said, Making sure you have a backup of this stuff before you do it is helpful. But I've moved iTunes libraries a bunch over the years, and I've never really had it go sideways. But you know, moving it and then telling the music and TV apps where their new libraries are, they'll they'll reindex, and you should be good to go.
0: One of the problems people have is they just they just back up the actual music media files, and they lose metadata that way. Um, so you should back up the entire i itunes media folder i believe this is is what it's called uh that's what you want to do if you want to keep like your playlists and things like that so um you do that uh but yeah i I do think it is easier than it used to be and and you you don't realize it at the time but with baby steps apple has really helped us out with a lot of this media management stuff over the years uh and they need to because you know we just had a, a guest last week talking about 8k video and you think You know, managing storage is going to be hard with, you know, 1080. Just wait till everybody starts getting 8K video
1: downloads. (laughs) I don't want to think about it. I really don't.
0: It's like SSD prices are going down. That's the good news. The bad news is uh, the demand for storage is just going up. Mm -hmm. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to us by a longtime sponsor, and that's our friends over at 1Password. Use 1Password to safely protect yourself from all those bad guys out on the internet, if you go to onepassword.com/mpu in all caps, you even get twenty percent off. I'm so happy that uh, I stumbled into One Password so many years ago because there's so many things going on on the internet that scare me. Honestly, it seems like every other day I get another email from somebody pretending to be a website that they're not, trying to you know sucker me into giving them some information they can use to steal my money or my identity. OnePassword password is the application that's there to protect you. At the most basic level, what 1Password does is it creates a strong and unique password for every website you visit. And all you have to remember is the 1Password, hence the name. And these are great passwords. You can change the parameters of them. I really like that. So for some websites where I want to be able to easily remember the password, I have 1Password generate a random string of words for me. And I usually can remember those. Or to my banking website, when I need something really big, I just get the long string of letters and characters that nobody could ever imagine. And uh, 1Password just takes care of that for me. It remembers it. It's awesome. But there's so much more to this service. You can also get a family account where you can share the passwords with your family. Or you can get a business account and share it with your coworkers. It's also got secure storage. It's got secure notes. For instance, just yesterday I was at the doctor. I opened my secure note and 1Password and put my notes from my doctor appointment. So now I've got all that stuff with me, but nobody can see it because it's behind that big vault door of 1Password. If you haven't tried it yet, you should. Head over to onepassword.com slash MPU, and that's in all caps, and you get 20% off that family or company account. And start protecting yourself on the internet today. Thank you, OnePassword, for all of your support of this show.
1: We also had a question while we're sort of on the topic about external drives and storage, about the OWC enclosures that we've spoken about uh, a couple of times and how they're different from a NAS and sort of what that deal is about. Yeah. So these, the the ones that I've got, I've got two of them. The uh, OWC Mercury Elite Pro Mini. That is a mouthful. OWC, I like their stuff. Their names, very difficult to say on a podcast. Yeah. But basically all this is, it is an empty box, so that you can get one from them with a drive in it. But I bought them empty. An empty aluminum box that you can put in a two and a half inch drive. And then it's just like you bought an external drive from the store it's got these have USB C on them and i have two of them with 2.5 inch uh, samsung ssds in them and i'll put a link to all this stuff in the show notes but uh, i went with these because i wanted to use those samsung ssds i've had good luck with them in the past and they're silent these boxes don't have fans in them they're just bus power so there's just a USB C cable into them there's no power brick or anything which sometimes you get with external hard drives especially if they're the bigger three and a half inch variety like the the western digital my book is a very uh common external drive and you got a big wall wart to plug in somewhere so these are just yeah. bus powered which i i really prefer and, and they
0: fit in your bag real easily so it's just great and they also attach really well with gaff tape to anything oh, boy
1: <laughs> these are a little <laughs> heavy i don't know if i would try that with these but um uh, yeah, so I've got a, I've got a set of these, and uh, something I wanted to, to address too is the different speeds of USB 3.1. So the USB standards body is also bad at names, and you have USB 3.1, and then you have Gen 1 and Gen 2. And you'll see that these OWC cases are USB 3.1 Gen 2, which is why I bought them. Gen 1 offers 5 gigabytes per second of speed, um, and then Gen 2 offers 10 gigabytes per second of speed. Now, if you're putting a spinning hard drive in these, that probably doesn't matter all that much.
0: It doesn't matter. Let's just say that.
1: It doesn't matter. Uh, But if you're putting really fast Samsung SSDs in them, uh, it does matter. And uh, I went with the Gen 2. It's a little bit more than the Gen 1, but also I feel like I have... Uh, Future proofed these a little bit, and I've been. uh, I've got two of them, they're silent, they sit behind, uh, like, sort of the back of my desk, and they've been rock solid.
0: Yeah, and to answer the listener question, why the OWC? Because it's faster, it's got the Gen 2. And if there's another reputable vendor that has a Gen 2, uh, and I would guess a year from now, almost all of them will be Gen 2, that's fine. But we like the OWCs because they're out now. And they've got the faster bus connection. If you're going to get the SSD, you want that to feel as much like internal storage as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You are never going to get them as fast as the internal Apple SSDs for a variety of reasons. I mean, one of the things is Apple built their own controller into the the newer (laughs) Mac. So it's... It's really fast, uh, but the um, but this is going to be as close as you're going to get, and that's why I like it. The other question listener asked was, How, what's the difference between this and a NAS drive? A NAS drive is really a completely separate animal. It's a big pile of storage. that sits on your network. Quite often, it's full of spinning drives. Um, they're not so fast, but because they're on your network, you can do a whole lot of stuff with them like we were talking about in the last segment.
1: Right. These are are just like external hard drives you would buy sort of already made but you're just kind of assembling it yourself
0: yeah like i think a good example of this owc enclosure would be what if your photos library truly was just too big to store on your internal ssd you bought a you bought a mac from apple and it came with a 256 gigabyte ssd which sadly you can do these days And you have a, you know, half a gigabyte of photos and video of your family. It's just not literally not going to fit on the internal storage. Then you want to get as fast a drive as you can. So you get like one of these OWC drive uh, enclosures, put the fastest SSD you can afford in it, and then um, attach it to the back nicely or tape it on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you just move that photos library to that external drive and when you access it, you can connect photos to an external drive just like you can the internal drive. Um, you're going to be – it's going to be fine, you know. But if you put it on a NAS drive or you put it on a spinning drive, uh, you would notice a problem or a delay when you try to access those photos.
1: Yeah. And you can even do external SSDs like the T5, T3 five, T T5 and T5 and those things that people tape onto the back end computers. But this is an option if you want to build your own. Very often you can do something like this and be – about the same price or sometimes even cheaper than uh, one of those sort of pre-built deals. I went with this because the enclosures were really fast and I wanted to use these two and a half inch SSDs I actually had already had one of them on hand from another project. So it could be nice. And if the drive dies or the case dies, you know, it's not just one thing, you know, you can, you can pull it back apart and, and see what's going on. And OWC has a good warranty on these things and their customer support's really good. So these are drives that are always on. If my machine is on, they're up and running, and I've been I've been really happy with them. It, it's it's not as fast as internal storage, but it's the closest I've ever been. Honestly,
0: hey, I have a question for you. Maybe you know the answer. The Samsung T5 SSD drives that people like. Yeah, uh, you know, we just talked about it with Thomas last week. There, they are. It's a drive inside an enclosure. Do you know if that's uh, Gen two or Gen one? You know, if you want to buy a Samsung drive that's already in their enclosure.
1: Right. Uh, I know it is 3.1. I'm not sure if it's Gen 1 or Gen 2. And looking through their product page, they don't make it super clear. So, uh, oh, here you go. It is. It is Gen 2. USB 3.1 Gen 2. Good. So, so there's a, there's another way
0: to do it if you don't want to buy the enclosure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the Samsung T5, I've got a red one right here on my desk that's, uh I'm copying some stuff too. So. They're, they're also neat if you want to do something sort of all all together without having to build it your, yourself.
0: Yeah, I bought one of the small one terabyte ones um, with the thoughts that like I could encrypt it when, when we got on iOS, the ability to attach external storage. I was like, this is great. I'll encrypt it. And then I can put client stuff on there and then have encrypted data that when I go on the road with my iPad. And of course, the although we have Support in iOS for external drives. As soon as you encrypt the drive, it can't see it. So hopefully that gets fixed soon. Check
1: back in June. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's like we're almost
0: there. So close. So Mm -hmm. close.
1: Yeah, WWC will be here before we know it. That's always how it works. Yeah, yeah.
0: So listener TJ wrote in, and he had a problem with external storage, and he had a real sweet solution. He sent it to me. He wanted me to share it with you on air. He thought that you'd really appreciate it. So I just pasted it in the notes.
1: Oh, no. Come on, TJ. So this this is a T5 on the back of what looks like a MacBook Air, maybe. Yeah. And it's just uh, scotch taped to the lid of the machine. You can see the scotch tape in the picture. That is horrifying.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll put it in the newsletter. I thought <laughs> so you'd get a kick out of that.
1: Oh, I feel nauseous.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, oh
1: boy. So laptops. We're talking about laptops. You yeah. uh you shared recently that you purchased the 16 inch MacBook Pro and I want to yeah. see how it's going.
0: Yeah, I, I got it right before I went on vacation. I was working on a big deal and I just kind of decided you know for a variety of reasons i just needed a laptop so i i had a deal i was working on for the the law practice and you know how it goes when you're in vacation and you work for yourself you're never truly on vacation so i always do this thing where i wake up early every morning and spend two or three hours doing work and then get back to the room about the time the rest of the family's waking up and we can spend the day together and uh, i really liked having this laptop with me on this trip the uh The thing, the feedback I have for the audience is, I just forgot how nice it was having such a big screen on a laptop.
1: I was curious about this because you spent time with the 13-inch for most of the year. Does this thing feel enormous or did you get used to it pretty quickly? No, you know, I mean, everybody's
0: got different priorities for laptops and I totally understand, you know, wanting thinner and lighter and smaller because it's easier to carry. But for me, a laptop is... It's really a luxury where it's like a remote office for me when I need to go somewhere for a while. Mm-hmm. I, so I, I'm not going to be carrying it with me every day. So I I don't have as many concerns about weight. And this thing fit in my bag to to make the trip. And then I set it up in the hotel room at the little desk there. And I didn't move it the whole time I was there. And it's just so having that extra screen real estate. Um, one of my, the key ways I like to work, and I I talked about this in the keyboard maestro field guide. I even did a a free video on, on YouTube, on the YouTube channel is I've got these keyboard shortcuts where I can very easily take apps and move them on the left side or the right side of the screen. And that never really worked for me with a 13 inch laptop because there just wasn't enough room on the screen to realistically use two apps. Mm -hmm. And with the 16 inch screen, it works great. And so, like, I can have, you know, Basecamp open on one window and Microsoft Word open on another or email and my calendar or whatever. And very quickly, I set up some nice scripts to automate, you know, different setups for the laptop. And the thing I was doing, working on for a uh, legal practice involved a lot of reference between emails and Word documents and ex- Excel spreadsheets. So, having enough screen real estate to do that, because I'm spoiled at home, I've got this massive screen and... Uh, it wasn't as nice as the massive screen at home, but it was act really workable, you know? So so that was great. Um, the bigger size screen makes a lot of difference for me. And I uh, yeah, I just had lost touch with that idea, but I, I'm a fan of that idea. And, and I understand, like I said, you don't have to write me to tell me why a small and light one makes more sense for you. I get it. But uh, for what I do, having enough screen real estate to show two apps at once practically and being able to work in both of them, it makes a big difference. So that was great. Keyboard is fine. I mean, the keyboard is not notable, and I guess that is notable.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's know? great that you don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the space bar worked, you
0: know. I mean, I don't know what to say, you know. Uh, the touch bar is interesting. My my wife spent a bunch of time on it, and she, she really likes the touch bar. She's got a uh, an older, she's got one of the very first unibody 13-inch MacBook Pros. Okay, and it's still working fine, but I, I'm sure at some point that computer is going to fail. It's it's seven, eight years old now. But she loved the Touch Bar. And it was nice seeing it from someone who was not a power user perspective because it was giving her keyboard shortcuts in the apps she was working on that she doesn't know and will never learn. So she was using it quite a bit. And it's very easy as podcasters and geeks to make fun of the Touch Bar. But seeing her use it, Kind of reminded me why Apple probably made it. They didn't make it for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess people are just frustrated that it's on the MacBook Pro, but not the MacBook Air. Like it's sort of on the wrong computer. And yeah, I was hoping on the 16 that it would be optional that you could get it without it and maybe make the machine a little bit more affordable because it's an expensive computer. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's not how how they've gone, and they haven't spread it to the Air. It's not on an external keyboard. It's still sort of locked away in macbook pro land and i wonder long term what that looks like if it's going to show up elsewhere or it'll quietly go away but i think there are a lot of people who do find it useful for exactly the reason that you said is that it surfaces things in apps they didn't weren't aware of they didn't know were there and that is that's a powerful thing right because if you look at some of these apps like just look at at, uh at pages you know which has pretty good support for the touch Bar. Yeah. If you look through the menus and pages, it's overwhelming. There's so many things it can do. And the touch bar sort of acts like a, a smart filter for all of that stuff. And that is genuinely useful to a lot of people.
0: Although at one point I was doing a lot of work in Excel and the screen kept turning dim on me. And it just, I'm like, Oh no, have I got like a defective machine? Am I having a stroke? What's going on here? And I realized when I was hitting the number three, my fat finger was touching the dim button in the uh, touch bar without me realizing it. And so I was hitting three a lot because of us, some fields I was working and the screen kept turning dim. So it's like, come (laughs) on, man, jeez, pull it together. Fingers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's like, that's the kind of stuff you have to deal with when you've got a touch bar, you know, better touch tool has the ability to customize what you put in the touch bar. so, that's a little, you know, side route. If you've got a touch bar and you want to make it more useful to you, I would recommend trying better touch tool. Um, but the overall, you know, I, it's a Mac and it worked great. And, uh, you know, I continue to be impressed with Apple's hardware. Uh, now that we've got working keyboards, I, I really like the feel of it. It's solid and, uh, and it travels well and the screen is beautiful. And that, that 16 inches, even I hadn't used a 15 inch one for many years, but, boy that that really opens up opportunities for you as a user if you like to work in multiple applications. I guess all this stuff is obvious, but there you have it
1: yeah, I mean, I've got the fifteen I've had it for a while now, and i've I like the bigger size and for what I do with my notebooks when I travel, that is pretty key. you know edit, editing stuff the bigger screen the better and yeah i I've, I've been happy with it. I am intrigued by the idea of the fourteen inch. MacBook Pro, which I think we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks when we talk when we when we're, do our episode about twenty twenty, what we look forward to. But yeah, I think the sixteen is basically everything that was good about the fifteen, but better, and that that's that's pretty cool, you know. For if you want a big notebook, they've made a really good one. And now that I
0: have it here, I have found myself uh, not just using it on long trips, but I'm yeah, I'm finding other excuses to use it. Like sometimes I just want to get out of my office and work somewhere else, and and having it there is, is pretty nice, yeah. So it's pretty good. Uh, working with two Macs, I uh, hadn't done that for a while. That's easier than ever, you know, mm-hmm. be, be, between iCloud and Dropbox and all the cloud-based media storage we just got done talking about earlier in the show. Uh, setting it up took almost no time. And I'm I'm just installing apps as they're needed. I didn't have a laptop to do a migration from, you know, so I just just went with it and it's fine. And the, uh, overall, you know, it's, it's a solid computer. I'm I'm glad Apple is, you know, kind of taking seriously some of this stuff. I guess it's a little heavier than the prior 15 inch MacBook pro. I, I couldn't tell. I went into an Apple store and lifted them both. They feel the same to me. Uh, it's a little bigger. Uh, it just barely fits in my backpack, you know, in terms of the size, mm-hmm. but it fits and it's fine. And I took it on the trip and the, uh, it's all good. I, I do wish that they still had MagSafe. You know, I was in a hotel room with a lot of people walking around. I kind of understand why they don't. And I know there's a whole bunch of third party products. I bought one of them at one point. I've got it around here somewhere, but I just don't like having that little stud poking out the side of the computer. I feel like that's a problem too. So I don't know you know, where that all ends up, but I, I, I'm guessing that's gone for good. Um, the lack of the uh, SD card slot was not that big of a problem. I have a little USB-C uh, uh, dongle that I can plug in that's got micro and regular size SSD and some other ports on it. So I took that with me. It also had an Ethernet port on it, which was nice. So in the hotel room, I could get better internet just by plugging into the wall. But the uh, overall, it, it's solid. You know, I mean, I, I think if you're looking for a big laptop, and you can afford and and need the power of the MacBook Pro we can make a recommendation without a reservation which is nice
1: yeah agreed i think it's it's finally the one to do and i'm yeah. i'm just hopeful that keyboard and everything else makes it downstream sooner rather than later
0: yeah i and i just you know it's like i was reading all the reviews about this when i decided to go go for it and it was interesting to me like all of the reviewers are like Yeah. And so far the keyboard is good. Everybody has this like asterisk over the keyboard on this new one, but I just, I'm not worried about the keyboard at all. If it's the magic keyboard technology, I've been using one of those forever and it's fine. You know, it's, there's nothing, you know, I sit at this table every day and type on it for, you know, somewhere between four and eight hours and uh, if that's the same technology in the MacBook, I don't think I'm ever going to have a problem. I I don't feel like I even need to put a reservation on it. Yeah, okay, you got it. You went back to the technology that worked.
1: Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Magic Keyboard's solid. Same thing here. That's what I've used forever, and it's it's been great. I even bought when we had John Voorhees
0: on a few weeks ago. Yeah, he talked so much about that um, that keyboard with the dial on it. The uh,
1: the Logitech uh, something.
0: Yeah, I I ordered one just to try it out, and I didn't care for it. I sent it back. It was almost a medium like, no, you know what? The Magic Keyboard is still the one for me.
1: The Logitech Craft Wireless Keyboard.
0: Yeah. I wasn't all that excited about installing Logitech software on my Mac, but I went ahead and did it. And That's cool that you can turn the dial and turn the volume up and down, but the the connection, what ultimately did for me was the connection felt, uh, occasionally there would be a delay on the connection, Connecting the third-party keyboard, whereas the Apple Magic Keyboard just always works. Even like when you boot it and hold down the keys to get into like recovery mode or something, it just always works, wireless or wired.
1: Yeah, anytime you have an extra layer, things can get dicey. And I I mean, I use a Logitech mouse and I have the dongle just for the i guess the reception because it doesn't use like the mouse i use doesn't use bluetooth it uses their weird rf thing and yeah it's fine i don't have Logitech software installed so i can't adjust anything about this mouse but it works for me out of the box and i'd rather uh, just leave it alone (laughs) give up
0: features to avoid the problem
1: yeah it's like you know the thumb button didn't do anything but i wasn't ever going to use that anyway so (laughs) that's fine do you do you use both trackpad and mouse or just mouse? I use the trackpad on the left just for yeah. swiping and zooming and things like Logic and Final Cut. But when I'm actually working, I'm using the mouse in my right hand. The trackpad is just there for getting around quickly.
0: I should try that again, but I I get I'm so productive with the trackpad, and uh, I just find it really the way for me. But I, I should try the double again.
1: I've, I just feel slower on the trackpad, and I prefer having a mouse. But it's nice that we have options. Like, I've got a, a good friend of mine who's a designer. She uses a thumb wheel. Like, it's just – it's like whatever works for you and your hands and yeah. your situation. But, yeah, the, the trackpads are, are are great. If anything is a secondary device, it's it's really handy for gestures, you know. Because if you – like, I use the Logitech mouse, so I don't get any of the gestures that the Magic Mouse can support. And this way I have a gesture input and a sort of cursor input. And it's weird – to get used to using them both. But now I can do it sort of in tandem without thinking about it. And some people sit down at my desk like, what is happening? What is this? But once you get used to it, I find it at least to be very fast.
0: Yeah. And that's another one where, you know, I guess Better Touch Tool is the uh, the closet sponsor of the show. <laughs> Better Touch Tool is another. It's just really great. If you want to use the, the trackpad, you can create custom inputs and like i've got like ways i press it to move a window and and do other things with the Mm -hmm. with the trackpad that aren't built in i mean the apple gestures are great but you can go much further with better touch tool
1: yeah i think it's time maybe in 2020 we'll do a deep dive into better touch tool as an episode yeah probably i think that'd be good well I'm, i'm glad you're liking your notebook and uh i'm glad that you had a nice vacation and that you came back in one piece yeah i did
0: I, I came back with bruised ribs. I haven't told you that, but that's a, that's a whole nother story.
1: Well, I, I do know that you went skydiving. Yeah, I did. Was that that's before part of or
0: after the bruised ribs? Uh, There were multiple events. Let's <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> I had, I had a great time and my body, uh, you know, paying the tossed price. around a little bit. Yeah. It's <laughs> okay. It's all good.
1: Yeah. All well, good. I'm glad you're okay.
0: If it and... doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger.
1: Is that, is that true with ribs? I'm not sure
0: that's how ribs work, but. I I don't know. But I also saw a video of myself skydiving and realized that the skin on my face is not as attached to my face as I thought. Mm. And I did not take that video with me. I'm like, you guys can just keep that one. Yeah. I don't want to see myself that way ever again.
1: It's like, wow, I know what my skull looks (laughs) like now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, well, thanks for checking in with the 16 inch and, um. I hope that I hope that you two are very happy together for a long time. Well, I, I, we better
0: be. It was expensive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, computer prices—they're fun to talk about. This episode of Mac Power Users is also brought to you by Text Expander by our friends over at Smile. We talk a lot about utilities on MPU that really, uh, really make the Mac personally uh, like just what we want—powerful in the ways that we need it. And Text expander is always at the top of my list for that because with it, I don't have to type a bunch of things over and over. And that may sound silly to talk about, but some examples that always come up, uh, common emails or messages that you need to send back to people. So maybe you have uh, customer support that you have to do or things like your address or your email address, things that we all type hundreds of times a week. If you put them in TextExpander, you just have to type the short snippet and you're off to the races. So if you live on 123 Street, you know you could do, for instance, semicolon 1S and expand that out to 123 Street and save yourself a bunch of typing. If you work on a team, TextExpander gets even better because you can manage and share snippets for an entire organization. So if you have common language that you need multiple people to use, you can put it in Text Expander and make sure that everyone's communication is really consistent with the outside world. That's great in sales, that's great in customer support, or just dealing with the public at large. And you can use these snippets anywhere you type. So, Slack, Trello, Google Docs, web browsers, Twitter, Word, any place that you're typing on your Mac, you can use Text Expander. But it goes beyond the Mac, you can get it on Windows, Chrome an iPhone, and iPad as well. I use it all the time in day one on my iPad. I've got a snippet set up for my sort of daily logging template and I can pull up the one password keyboard. I can uh, enter the snippet real quickly and it expands into day one and I'm, I'm good to go. Saves me tons of time. And what uh, kind of a funny, uh, I find a funny feature of text expander is it actually gives you uh, stats in the Mac app and, uh, you, so, you can see over time how many snippets have been expanded, how many characters have been saved, and you can insert your typing speed. So, say if you type at 40 words per minute, how many hours of your life you've gotten back with Text Expander. It's sort of sobering to see how much uh, time uh, I would be wasting otherwise without Text Expander. Show listeners will get 20% off their first year by going to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more, and to sign up. That's 20% off your first year at texexpandercom slash podcast. Our thanks to TextExpander for their support of the Mac Power users. So, Stephen, I understand you have a problem. I mean, that's vague. I've got several, but the one, <laughs> the one, uh, the one that I want to talk about, uh, and it came up in the forums, but I wanted to talk to you about it too, is uh, I'm on the hunt for a a research app. So I have um obviously written a lot over the years about uh, a- Apple history, so I'll go into, you know, uh a weird product they sold or a line of laptops and it's it's something that I I sort of have two needs. So one is to catalog everything I've already written so I can search my own work and sometimes uh you know, I'll, I'll like oh I should write about this and then realize that I've already written about it, And <laughs> you know, to head that off would be nice, but also to collect links, videos, documents, PDFs of things I may want to write about in the future. So just to pick a, a machine out of the air, the Apple three, you know, I'd like to write about that at some point. I never really have. And it would be nice to be able to sort of build a little collection of Apple three things. And then when it's time to write that article or make that video, I have a, a sort of a, a set of data waiting for me.
0: Now are you going to need to do this on iPad as well as Mac or just Mac?
1: Yeah, so any tool I want to use for this I want to be completely cross platform iOS, yeah. iPadOS and Mac. I'd like to be able to add things uh, via shortcuts or at least via the share extension if if possible. So if I see a link and I could just send it to, you know, the correct place within the the library of research if you will and and be able to kind of move on you know a lot of this is fast collection and then it's sort of waiting for me when i come back around so i'd want something to work everywhere and i would like something that i can uh, again quickly add things quickly get things out
0: i think you've got to choose what's the number one priority on your little mental whiteboard fast collection or is it fast collection or is it you know writing tool like when you want to write you've got easy access to your research and a way to put the the article together, because those are two different goals. And like, I I know of apps on both that handle both priorities differently. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I I don't view this as a writing tool in the sense that I'd be writing in it. But if, if say I pull in my Apple three research, being able to see it all and get to it all easily um, is important. But I think the capture is probably a little more important because very often I'll just see things on Twitter or an RSS and just, want to just share it for the future and just like stick it somewhere quickly and then move on. So I think the capture is a little more important. And because of that, I've been doing this in Apple Notes for the last couple of years. So I just had an Apple Notes notebook called Apple History Research, a note per topic or per machine. And, you know, someone tweets about the Apple 3, which doesn't happen very often, but occasionally it does, you know, share that to that note. And the notes extension for sharing is pretty good although on iOS 13.3, it flashes a white interstitial screen between its dark mode screens, which is very disruptive. Yeah, Um, Hopefully that gets fixed, but I've I've been using notes for that. But the reason I want to move away from notes is that I already use notes for basically everything else. And the research is a, a little bit of an odd pairing with other things I keep in notes. And it makes my notes library a lot bigger than it would be otherwise. And, I kind of like notes to be just notes and have this sort of long-term archival research, especially the, the published stuff, which I just make PDFs of articles I've written or links to videos. That feels like something that definitely shouldn't be in the notes app the way that I use it. So I kind of want a known place for this sort of stuff to live. Yeah.
0: That's a tough order. Um, Like for instance, notes is great with the automation for appending, prepending text to existing notes. Like, Uh, shortcut uh, automation stuff would be really easy to do with notes another app in that same genre i would think about would be bear you know which does that too it's it's more markdown friendly but you can also put media into it and it works the same way and they've got tons of automation stuff so if you want something like notes but a separate library bear would be worth consideration Uh, When you first described the problem to me, I was thinking Scrivener because Scrivener is amazing if you have a complex writing project and you have a lot of research because you could save all the PDFs and everything to a research file in Scrivener. You could like on your iMac, you could have the Scrivener research on one side of the screen and, and the, you know, buckets of words on the other side of screen. So it'd Mm -hmm. be, make it a great place to actually write the article and store the data I haven't worked with Scrivener's iPad client that much because I don't use it that much anymore. But the uh, but assuming that it, it works well, you would be able to see the data. But Capture into Scrivener, I think, wouldn't be as easy as what you're talking about yeah. with, with notes. Uh, and it sounds like Capture is your priority there's a whole bunch of tools out there and I'm heard, I'm sure we'll hear from academics because there's a whole bunch of stuff out there built around academic research. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times the tools they have, like you're not going to be creating a bibliography and right. you know, research notes. So some of that stuff I think is overkill for what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I even looked at something like DevonThink, think, which I know a lot of our listeners really use and it is a good fit for some of this, but just between us, like I don't, I, it's not an app that I want to use every day. Like I, just, I don't.
0: That doesn't spark joy.
1: No, no. And I also looked at Notion. In fact, there's a there's a big thread on the MPU forums where I've yeah. been talking about this already. And Notion is one that seems like on the ten, it should really do this. But its iOS apps aren't super great. It's it's young, so maybe they'll they'll come along. But as of right now, the iOS apps aren't that great. And Notion sort of has the same problem as I have with OneNote: is that the organization structure the app has. Is open ended in ways that I don't like. Like I I, I like notebooks and notes. You know, like yeah. I grew up uh, on Evernote, right? Like it's it, that sort of structure. Same thing in Apple Notes, and and so Notion is a little more open ended than that. And even on the Mac, I just the app just isn't isn't what I want. So, and I should just say, since
0: Notion came up, I hear from listeners like every week telling me that I just need to move my whole life into Notion. Oh yeah, and, and I uh, we are going to cover Notion here. I don't think it's ready, honestly. I, I've, I've spent hours in it, you know, looking at it, not only for show content, but also a potential use for me. You know, I'm spending a lot of money on all the cloud services I use. Maybe Notion would be a great way to do it. Um, I think it's great. It's got some collaboration tools. It's got some real open stuff, but also it's not super automation-friendly. And, uh, like, capturing stuff into Notion for you is going to make you mad because you've got a it, it doesn't capture very easily, mm. And, and you're telling me that's one of your big priorities. So yeah. so we are going to cover Notion. If you're a Notion Power user, let us know. But honestly, I think I want to wait until they get a little bit further down the project plan you know, on that app before we start giving it a lot of coverage here. I think it has a little ways to go still. But you know, let us know.
1: And Notion has a really strong community around it. Like, I'll give it that. There are people who are super into it. And that's exciting because it means that there are people who have, like, whole youtube series about how they're using it and that can be really helpful but i agree with you it's like a little not finished yet i'll I'll tell you the
0: one thing i'm hearing from you is that you don't want to keep it in your apple notes library because you don't think that's the right place for it but it seems like that's working for you
1: it it is and
0: i'm not sure why you can't just keep it there yeah because (laughs) now i've
1: thought about moving it and now it's uh Now it's in my brain. You know, I I could just be like our friend CGP Gray who just continues to use Evernote for all this. But um, I actually tried that about three months ago. I I picked all this stuff up out of notes and put it in Evernote. And I lasted about a week. (laughs) It's just not for Evernote.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you with Apple Notes, I have a, a very big library. And there's sections in there that have field guide assets and information. There are sessions in there that are, full of legal template stuff Mm -hmm. and i mean it's it's just a massive library they have folders now with the most recent versions of it you can generate the folders on any device uh you can compartmentalize the data very easily if you create folders um it's not great you know like it's not like super great into tagging if i were you maybe i'd play with bear and just see if that feels any better to you but Apple notes is so integrated into the system. I mean, it's made by the same company that makes the hardware and the operating system. I think you're going to be hard pressed to find something that's as easy to yeah. capture data into. I mean, yeah. when you tell me that's the, probably the number one list on your whiteboard, then I think that's probably going to ultimately point you back at notes.
1: Giving me a lot to think about. I don't know. I don't I'm going to try bear again. And I haven't tried devonthink think three, which is, Pretty new, and I checked it out in the beta, but I haven't really run it. And so I'm, I'm going to give Devin I Think Three a shot. Maybe the, the UI is less Byzantine now, but we'll see how yeah. it goes. Well, I I go through this all the time too. Like I I have this with my legal
0: practice. I have moved a bunch of it into Basecamp because right I I want a place where I can put containers for uh clients. A lot of the stuff I do is transactions for clients, and I want to have some place where I can collect all the emails and then keep notes and like. And I can give the clients access to the pieces of it I want, but the you know, it's not like setting up a Slack channel where different clients can talk to each other. You know, mm-hmm. I want it to be very compartmentalized and it seemed like the best solution for that. But I'm always looking to see like, is Notion something that would do this better or or whatnot? You know, but the uh it, it's really a never ending quest. That's the reason we make the show, I guess, is we, we're never happy. But the the thing you're describing, it's not complex enough to need academic tools. Definitely not. Maybe uh, a way I would do too is consider um, taking a text expander snippet to build like a, like a Apple note text for like as a template for when you do this research, say like, I want to do make one of these notes on the new Mac pro. And then you could have a template that says, you know, research materials, performance, whatever. So you open up the note, you you type the snippet, and it creates basically the text-based outline for whatever you're working on, and then you can always have a lot more structure to the Apple Notes so it feels better to you.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go back and play with this, and I'll report back and see where I end up.
0: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Setup. More than 150 powerful Mac apps just for your Mac at $9.99 a month. SetApp is one of the best ways to find applications for your Mac. Their curation team only selects apps that meet the highest quality standards in design, usefulness, and user experience. It's easily one of the most productive tools for my Mac because you get over 150 apps for just one subscription. It saves so much time and money. I signed up for it when they first began, and man, I just keep finding stuff. I was just looking while we were talking earlier. And this app I've been talking about the whole show, Better Touch Tool, it's in there. Of course it is. Because setup saves you so much time and money. The search for the best tools have been done for you. Uh, and you just pay the same flat fee every month. So if you find one or two apps you you get that can justify a SetApp subscription, you're going to get so much more icing on that cake. Because there's all these apps you find. I've got clock apps. I've got trans, uh, I've got an app here that deals with giving me the weather in different locations. All this stuff just comes with the subscription. So go to setup.com right now. And if you like it, you pay $9.99 a month for as long as it's useful to you. And it will be useful for a long time. Uh, On my Mac from Setup, I've got more here than I could recite in this ad. (laughs) Probably 50 applications installed from my Setup installation. But there's apps in here like bartender that helps you fix your menu bar busy cal you know a great calendar app clean my mac that's that alone enough for me is probably enough to justify the subscription and it just goes on and on of course even better touch tool istat menus marked from brett terpstra frequent contributor to the mac power users there's just a whole bunch of stuff in here i just started one i downloaded recently called one switch and it's just a bunch it's in your menu bar but it's a bunch of switches where you can turn on dark mode or you can uh, turn off and on music. You can put Do Not Disturb on. Uh, you can set night shift. It's just stuff that you'd have to generally you know, dig into your Mac to turn off and on. It just drops them in the menu bar for me. Just one more thing I love about having Setup. So if you want to get your own subscription, head over to Setup.com. Let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users and get started with over 150 great Mac apps.
1: Do we want to talk about some stuff we have been trying? yeah why okay. don't you go first yeah so i've got I've got a couple uh this month that i I wanted to share with you and our listeners and uh the first is an app that I think will be familiar to a lot of people uh it's called headspace it's a a meditation app an app that can help you get to sleep and i had this i've i've had this recommended to me by a lot of people over the years and I know you and I, both on the show and off the show, have talked about uh, meditation, and I can't believe I'm the one talking about it, who has brought it up now. I know what I've done, listener. I know that I've opened (laughs) Pandora's box. (laughs) Um, But I had it recommended by somebody uh, in a pretty professional environment, I'll say. And so I've been using it um, on good days, twice a day, both at the beginning of my workday and at the end of my workday, as a buffer between home and work and you know, it's, it's runs on your iPhone and it's got, I'm, I'm still in the very beginning stages of it. So I'm on a course. It's sort of like a, you know, working through like the, the basics of meditation and they're, they're very short and sort of getting used to stopping and breathing and all of those things. And I've got to say, like, I, I, I feel foolish that I sort of wrote these suggestions off for so long because even a couple weeks into using it on a, on a pretty regular basis, I'm not doing it, um, quite perfectly on my schedule yet. It's really been fantastic. And it, it's something that I've always felt intimidated by and headspace the onboarding of this is how we get started in this practice is really like a very gentle learning curve. And I don't know, it's, it's the number seven health and fitness app in the U S store right now. And I understand why, because I've really been, um, we've really been blown away away by it so far.
0: Yeah. People who ask me if they want to get started in meditation, I always recommend Headspace because I, I don't remember the instructor's name, but he does a great job. And and I've been meditating since the 80s. So all the meditation teachers that have been good that I've ever had have been really gentle about They're like, you know, the whole thing about this is don't beat up on yourself, you know, yeah. give yourself some space. And and he kind of follows in that school. But I, I had to laugh. I went scuba diving recently and I do this only in, in Hawaii. I don't scuba dive in California cause it's cold and there's nothing interesting to see, <laughs> but the, uh, um, the, so I, I rarely do it, but when I do it, it's always these introductory dives and the instructors like your tank was only supposed to last 20 minutes and you were down there for 40 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I've been, I've been intentionally breathing for like 40 years. I know how to do this. <laughs> so that, that's the whole thing about scuba. If you start breathing fast, you use up your air real fast. Right. And, Hmm. But but I, I I'm glad that you're doing this. I you know it, it's easy to call me the granola California guy, but I, I really feel like no matter where you are in life, no matter what your religious beliefs are, I think people get hung up on meditation. They think it's like a Buddhist thing. No, it's not. It's just a it's just a way to uh, to deal with things. And I would recommend anybody try it in Headspace. I'm I'm glad you're doing it, and uh, I will not tease you about it because I'm super happy that you're giving it a try.
1: Yeah, so so far so good. Like I said, it's I like that it's sort of gentle in in getting started on this and you can set notifications to like remind you to do it. I'm doing that in Do, du, DUE because Do du will um uh, it's it's very flexible and it will nag you, which is really nice. Like uh so I try to end my workday at 5:30 and I have Do remind me at uh 5:10 to sort yeah. of begin my wind down and move into this before I go home and but, you know, days that like, um, like tomorrow, for instance, I'm recording a show late and my workday's is probably not going to end until seven and I can just tell, do remind me in an hour In an hour, my end of day routine will begin. And then I can, I can move through headspace <laughs> back to, uh, back to home life. So I find the two of them together be to be useful.
0: The one piece of advice I give is length of these sessions, especially at the beginning is not important. Mm-hmm. Consistency. is So even if you just do it for five or 10 minutes. In a day that's better than just doing it for an hour once a week
1: yeah yeah and it it has in the beginner course i think it starts with three minutes and then and then it sort of prompts you to uh go uh, a little longer and so even that is sort of a an easing into uh, what this means
0: yeah uh i spent some money i bought the new iphone battery case didn't you say you were not going to do that? Yeah, I did. I did. And, I did. and now I, you have. Well, we had uh, we had some uh, family friends over, and and I ran out of battery a couple times. I'm like, okay, I guess I should just get one. And the the thing that really sold me on it, honestly, was the button for the the pictures. Yeah, I was in the store and I tried it. And I'm like, this is amazing. And like, I am for some reason, I don't have the gene that lets you hold a phone out and take a selfie and push the little button on the screen competently. Mm-hmm. I it's just, it's just hard for me to get like done right. And I'm worried about it. Then the picture, I look worried in the picture because I'm <laughs> trying to hit the button. So putting the button on the case. And and the one thing this thing convinces me is the iPhone needs a dedicated uh, photo button. I, yes. I know Apple doesn't like putting buttons on, but it, they could put it right where they put it on this case and do it exactly like they did on the case. It's it's indented instead of outdented. I'm like, they should just put that on the iPhone. That should be on every iPhone.
1: Totally agree. Uh I, I picked up this this battery case basically when it came out. And I, I like it for days that I travel. But yeah, the camera button is surprisingly useful and it will launch the camera app from anywhere, even if the iPhone is asleep. So yeah I think we've all had that situation, like you're trying to get a picture and like you can't. 3d touch not 3d touch it fast enough or whatever it is and it makes it instant and i am with you i want this button on the side of the iphone next year like i know johnny ive is gone so maybe they're going to start adding buttons back but like this is one that i am in favor of for that just instant access to the camera
0: i mean if they really must you could take the mute button off and put a a camera shutter button there and just put the mute in the control center or something. I'd be willing to have a little bit of inconvenience to get to the mute button. Because, you know, like I said, we had some family visit. We took them to Disneyland. And being able to pull your phone out and get it into camera mode with your button as opposed to fiddling on the screen, Mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, it's obvious, but it really is nice. And when you take selfies, you can hold the phone up and just have your finger on the button, and you press the button, you get selfies where I'm smiling. I don't look worried. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. It's such a good addition. I didn't. I figured they were going to do a battery case, but I definitely did not see that they would add this this new feature. And it's it's really cool.
0: This is not going to be my everyday case. It's still going to be the case I use when I travel and have like uh, or like battery heavy days. Yeah. But like as we record this, we're heading into uh, Christmas, and I've got a big family Christmas thing. I'm going to have it in the battery case, not because I need the battery. I just want quick access to that camera button on Christmas.
1: I think that's great. Absolutely.
0: Are you the kind of guy that um, when someone, when you're taking a selfie, someone says, Hey, would you like me to take your picture? You know, or would you say, no, thank you. We're just going to take a selfie. How do you handle that?
1: I'm the kind of guy that I will ask a stranger to take a picture of us before I attempt the selfie.
0: Yes, I'm with you there, brother. I am there.
1: So I want the best quality, right? Yeah. And and the front camera on the iPhone is way better than ever, but the back one is is even more spectacular. I actually just had that a couple of weeks ago. The St. Jude Marathon was going on, and we want to take a picture of the finish line with our kids, and it was, uh, you know— People are taking selfies, right? And I find a volunteer. I'm like, can you take a picture of us? Like, I know this sounds old fashioned. Like, it's like I asked her if she had like a a home phone number I could call, right? It's like, or do you have a phone book I could use? Like, it was like, what? What are you asking? But the pictures came out way better. And yeah, you're trusting your phone with a stranger or whatever. But uh, I've never had anyone run off with an iPhone. So I guess I'm I'm, (laughs) doing well. But yeah, I I don't want a selfie.
0: You know, because I'm wandering through Disneyland sometimes. And I, uh, and I used to work for them mm-hmm. at a time when selfies weren't a thing there. I am just the guy who I will see a family struggling to take a selfie and I'll say, Hey, do you guys want me to take that picture? I'll stop right here. You know, let me give you your camera. I'll, I'll frame it. I'll, and when you take, when you offer to do this, by the way, you've got to take a good picture. You can't just like yes. point and shoot. And they take got to several,
1: it. you know, because yeah. people blink and, you know, zoom with your feet, move in, you know, uh, absolutely
0: the eternal optimist that I am, I'm always offering people to do that. And, and more often than not, they're like, no, thank you. We're going to take this selfie. We're going to take a bad picture with the front facing hair. And they kind of look at me like, they either look at me like I'm a creep or they look at me like, oh, that, that old man, that friendly old man, (laughs) you know,
1: you're not taking the Picture on your phone you're taking with their own
0: phone, you know. So. I, I know, but you know, it's but then some people are like, oh yeah, thank you, you know. There's, but there, there's definitely two camps here, and yeah. there's some people that would prefer to just take it themselves. So, yep. You know, I I don't know. That wasn't in the outline, but I, I just had to know.
1: No, I'm glad we've <laughs> talked about this now. <laughs> Another way that we are like, despite our our difference in age,
0: I I am not afraid to offer to take people's pictures, although the rejection hurts and I'm getting a lot of it.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I've got one last thing uh, for this. And it's something that I actually bought a while ago to put in my bag, but it has been elevated recently to everyday use for reasons that I'll explain later in the show. It is the 12 South Stago USB-C hub. Now i I still have one in my bag, like a, Regular USB hub with a short cable like hangs off the side of your MacBook Pro with some ports on it. The Stego USB C hub is the opposite of all of those. It's made of metal, which is awesome. It has a, a a built-in USB-C cable. And by that, I don't mean that it's always connected. In fact, it's not always connected, but the storage is built in. So it's like a, like a, you know, like the Samsung phones with the pin, you know, like the stylus that's in the body, and you click the button, the stylus shoots out. It's like that. So it's a little short USB-C cable that you can always have just with it. But it's modular, so you can replace it with a longer USB-C cable if you want to use it at your desk. And, and it, it ships with the second one that has like a, a right angle on it, which is pretty nice. But, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty standard USB hub. So it's got a USB-C with 85 watt uh, pass-through. So it won't keep up with the 16 inch MacBook Pro, but the other USB-C MacBooks, it will charge... Uh, HDMI, 4K, it has uh, USB, uh, all the Gen 1, so it's 5 gigabits per second, so not 10, but one of the ports has um, the 7.5-watt fast charge, so if you want to fast charge your phone over lightning, you can do that. Uh, Then it's got gigabit Ethernet, it has uh, USB-C from external power, so that's what goes uh, into the... um, like any other USB C devices uh you may have. And then it also has SD and micro SD. So this is nice. It's metal, it has little rubber feet on it, so it doesn't slide around. You can carry this around. This will go back in my bag eventually. But if you need like a small USB C dock for your desk, uh I've really been impressed with this. And because it's it's small, it's built really well, and having the USB C cable that's sort of always there is a, is a really nice feature. In fact, I'm using this with a long USB-C cable right now, and I kept the short one like inside the case. So when I'm done with it on my desk, I can put it back in my bag and and know that I have it.
0: Yeah, I this looks like a really nice thing, and I like totally trust 12 South products, so that would be a, a good one. I mentioned my my USB-C dock earlier in the show. Mine is uh, not as fancy and not as nice, but it's good. It, it's a anchor. When I got off Amazon, it was like thirty bucks. And it doesn't have like the pass through you were talking about, right. but it it does have. Um, it's a, if you're looking for one that just gets you, you know, like HDMI and the various SD cards, micro and regular, mm-hmm. and the uh, like Ethernet and USB ports, I trust Anchor products, so I, I got this one, and this is the one I took on vacation with me and and keep in my bag with the the new MacBook, and it's it's nice.
1: Yeah, they're, they're I mean, look, the twelve south one is hundred dollars, right? It is yeah. it is expensive for what it is. You're paying for the build quality, but if you want something that's on your desk all the time, with like little feet, it's it's nice yeah. and it's not hanging off the side of your MacBook Pro if it's on a stand or something. So if you want something a little more permanent, this is one that uh, I've been I've been happy with. So you can you know drive a display with it, have all your other stuff, and it's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I feel like the anchor once more, like if you just need the inputs, yeah, something like this will be fine. Yep. Especially like with a laptop. But if you want something that you're not gonna have to ever worry about again, probably the twelve south is the way to go.
1: I think so. You know, if you're using it with a LG display or something, it's great. So uh there's a lot of these on the market. I've just been impressed with this one. I also like that it has three USB A ports. Some of them only have two, and it's actually kind of surprising how nice it is to have one more. So I've got, you know, my time machine drive. And uh, my Logitech dongle I mentioned earlier and some other things all, all plugged in uh, nice and neat for, for reasons, again, that will become clear in a minute.
0: LG Display, huh?
1: This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Kensington, the people that make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other notebook as powerful as a desktop. It's all plug-and-play, you don't need drivers, and you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3, USB-C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous testing and quality control cycles means all their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, check out Kensington's Pro Concierge Program and test drive a docking solution today. Visit Kensington.com slash Mac right now to check it out. That's Kensington.com slash Mac to learn more. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of the show and Relay FM. So you're mentioning it it's kind of warm in there, huh? It is. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, you know, I turned the air off earlier. It's, it's warm in here. At
0: listeners of the show will know that I have been teasing Steven about the new Mac Pro because I was with him in WWC. We were fortunate enough to get the uh, MPU got invited to the keynote. Then Steve and I got invited to the secret room where they had all the Mac Pros in June. And I, at one point I was sitting there and there was like a display and I was on one side and Steven was on the other side. And I saw him looking at the Mac pro with the love in his eyes. (laughs) And I just wish there was something in the world that I could look at with the same love in my eyes. Steven was looking at the Mac pro
1: that comes across a little creepy. Yeah, but it,
0: it was there brother. It was there. So I've always felt like you've got a Mac pro inside of you, but but like you were telling me a week or two ago, we were I think it was about a week ago now, you were telling me this mm. iMac Pro is great. I'm good great. for now.
1: Yeah. The iMac Pro is great. Mine is on its way to Indiana to live with somebody else. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, so here's here's what happened. Um, I... Uh, you know, it's the, the, it. it's, the of, it, it's the end of the... It's with it. It's out with it, It's the end of the year. And we're, thought, we're, we're family here. You're among okay, friends. Fine. I'll just all come right. out and say it. I ordered a 12 core Mac pro with a four terabyte SSD in it. And it comes in January done Band-aid ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: it. I love it for so many reasons.
1: I lasted three days. <laughs> <laughs> the iMac pro is great. And by all means, it's the best computer f- per dollar for my setup, but the Mac pro called my name and I answered. So I've got yeah. like, set the 12 core with the four terabyte SSD, uh, it's got 32 gigs of RAM in it. I'll upgrade that at some point later if I feel like I need it. I've got 32 gigs of RAM now and it's fine. Um, yeah. the, the base GPU, which is something I probably will upgrade at some point. So on the configurator right now, there's a GPU that's not available, and that one is an upgrade to the base one, but not as expensive, assumedly, as the the big boys. And so I'm going to see where that shakes out. But again, with the Mac Pro, I can I can do this over time, um, and uh, I did pick up, and I'll have a link to this in the show notes because it, it didn't get a ton of coverage. But Promise announced a couple of internal expansion options for the Mac Pro. One is a uh, a thirty two gigabyte RAID, so it has four spinning seventy two hundred RPM drives with. Uh, you know a raid controller so you can set up however you want that that is the promise pegasus r41 and it goes in one of those MPX modules so it's it's big very big terabyte
0: not not gigabyte right
1: yeah sorry terabyte 32 terabytes 32 gigabytes would be a real ripoff um (laughs) yeah i I did not order this but it's it's one of those things that you can add if you need a lot of storage um, I don't need that much storage, uh, but I do need more than what just the four terabytes. And so I did order actually is out for delivery today. So I'm going to have it weeks before I have my computer, the promise Pegasus J two one. So this is not a raid. Basically, it's just an enclosure that fits in the Mac pro. You can put two three-and-a-half-inch hard drives in. It comes pre-populated with an 8-terabyte eight, eight drive that I'm going to make my time machine drive. Sure. And, I, and I've bought another 8-terabyte drive for uh, Archive. Because right now, I have, like we talked about earlier, I have those, those two 4-terabyte external SSDs. And as if yeah. right now, one of them has 1.1 terabytes free and the other has 2.1 terabytes free. So they are filling up. And uh, being able to put a second big drive inside the Mac Pro will be will be nice not as fast as the ssd but the cold archives uh will be fine and um the the ssd that i use basically for active projects that'll all fit on the new internal drive so uh, i'm buying some time with storage and um, actually i'm going to follow up on the j2i i talked to promises support people and they were not clear uh i may know once it shows up today actually once it gets delivered is if i can put a two and a half inch drive in there with an adapter I may move one of my external SSDs internal and, sure. and, and put it in there. So uh, so we'll see where, where all that goes. But I knew right away that I definitely wanted my Time Machine drive internally. Look, this is going to be below the desk. So a spinning hard drive will be silent. And with Time Machine, there's no reason to use SSD, like no reason at all. So the the spinning hard drive will definitely be fine for that. So it'll have the J2i in it once I get it set up. and. As of right now, it's going to be delivered a little after the new year. It's actually moved up a couple of times now, so uh, we'll see when it shows up. But, but yeah, got a Mac Pro coming. All
0: right, we we, we got to unpack some stuff here, man. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's great that you bought one. Thank you. Uh, the first reason is now we've got a Mac Pro user that we can talk to on the show anytime we want. See, I did and, it for the. Sh- uh,
1: can I can I invoice this to the show? It,
0: yeah, you can send that clip to the IRS. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the the second thing is, uh, for once, I'm not the one crazy one buying stuff for the show, so that's great, you know. Um, the uh, glad I could uh, take that burden off your shoulders. Yeah, good. good. <laughs> but the uh, when you know we talked to Apple and we you know we had these interviews and and they told us you know look if you want to make the next you know Pixar movie, this computer will do it for you. But it's also a computer made for people who want to upgrade and even just in your your explanation you said it's going to have this much ram but at some point i'm going to put more in or Mm -hmm. i'm going to upgrade the graphics card there's a group of people out there that want a mac that they can they can tinker with and like a guy who used to be an apple genius like you and who does like to upgrade i just always felt like this was a fit for you yeah. And in my head, every time I'd hear Apple say that, I, in my head, I'd say like Steven, I just had like Steven in right. that sentence. So I just assumed that you probably would get one. That's why I was teasing you about it. I figured, I didn't know it would happen this fast. I not thought didn't it either. might be in a year or two, but, but I, I'm glad you got it. I think you'll have a good time with it. It's you, you, you definitely didn't need it, you know, <laughs> I have to tell you, you know, I mean, you had an iMac pro, which is a great computer, but it, it you know, we all buy things we don't need, you know? And as I used to tell Katie, I mean, like, I don't play golf. I don't have like expensive habits, but I want to have the the latest and greatest tech. And this is just a a version of that. And, and now that you have it, it's going to be great to be able to have you as a resource to, to talk about how the upgrades are going and how complicated they are. Yeah. I'm sure we've got listeners out there who are going to buy one as well, who are not making the next Pixar movie, but they want a Mac that they can tinker with on the inside and upgrade the video cards, or they want it. You know, mm-hmm. that that is something. Like, my iMac Pro is great, and I love it. I'm not going to be upgrading the video card. I, nope. <laughs> I wish I wish I could have a 4-terabyte SSD, so much so that I would pay money to do that. But the idea of having someone pull the glass off this thing and get inside of it, it they just never go back the same, Mm-mm. you know?
1: Well, and on the iMac Pro, the only thing actually upgradable is the the RAM. Uh, the SSDs, you know, they're with the T2 chip, and it's unclear yeah. on the Mac Pro if the if the internal storage can be expanded. I don't think it can. So I went with 4 terabytes because I plan on having this machine a really long time. And my one regret on the iMac Pro was ordering the 1 terabyte internal drive, which is why I have all these external drives floating around. So I was like, you know what? In fact, when I bought it, I was planning on the 2 terabytes and... um and I was like, you know what? It's, it is even more money and the money's obscene. And like, it's, you know, it's uncomfortable to be yeah. talking about how much I spend on this, but for the long, this machine is for the long haul as like, I'd rather have breathing room now, uh, with those four terabytes. So that honestly may be the thing I'm most excited about in the immediate future because I, I won't have to juggle so much data around, but, yeah. um, so yeah, I will let you, I will let you know when it comes in and I'm sure we'll do, uh, we'll revisit it in future episodes. But it has also answered another question that I had that you and I spoke about and I spoke about and Connected where I was sort of also considering because one thing I want to do next year is when I'm not recording work out of the office a little bit more, just, you know, days where it's just admin work or maybe I'm writing, you know, like I know you've got your your favorite places that you go uh, really just the, the one place. But just move your studio to L.A. And yeah, that, that's convenient. I'll take you
0: to bed too, yeah. and I'll share my desk with you.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sure my family would love that. But, I bet uh, they would, actually. <laughs> they probably would. But uh, <laughs> So I, I had contemplated, well, maybe I just go MacBook Pro only, and th- just a couple of days of using just a MacBook Pro. Because uh, So to do this, I had to sell my iMac Pro, and a friend of a friend needed a machine, and we worked out a deal. It was great. And it's going to a good home, which I'm very excited about. But... So I'm MacBook Pro only for the next several weeks, and I'm using the LG 5K display because the Pro Display XDR is really expensive. And it immediately answered my question that that's not something I want to do, that I don't want to go back to a laptop with an external display. And um, so I'm glad I didn't go that route. I'm glad that I have this MacBook Pro to use as my main machine for a couple of weeks until this computer shows up. Like I'm recording like six shows this week. Like I'm going to be using this setup, but it is thankfully temporary.
0: Yeah. I I agree. I mean, the, you know, like what, just like the inverse of that I learned of having a laptop again is that it is not that hard to have two Macs, Mm -hmm. you know, years ago, we would do whole shows on how to keep two Macs synced together. You don't need to do that anymore. It's just not that hard. Yeah. So why, if you can, you know, swing it, why have to deal with the compromises of a laptop on your desk?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you get fan noise. I have cables everywhere. I will say it's interesting to use a MacBook Pro in a desktop situation. I have mine on an on elevated stand to the left of the 5K display. So it's it's out of the corner of my eye. I cannot believe I'm saying this. It's kind of nice to have an ex, an, a second screen. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, it's even better to have two. Yeah, well. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> like right now we're recording, I have audio hijack and car recorder running on that display. And I do that with a Luna display or, or with Sidecar sometimes, but it's nice to have it always there. But something, it took me until just this afternoon to realize what it was. I felt like I was being distracted by what the MacBook Pro was doing, and I realized that as I'm tabbing around with my keyboard and mouse and my display in front of me, the touch bar is responding to what I'm doing in the Foremost app, and I see it out of the corner of my eye, and it's maddening. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's just something I'm contending with. But it's really nice having Touch ID on a desktop Mac, so I can just reach yeah. over and touch my index finger and unlock something or use Apple Pay. And it makes me sad that even the very expensive Mac Pro doesn't have Touch ID on its keyboard. Yeah,
0: it's nice that they have the thing on the watch, but that's not the same. It's not you know. the
1: same. And it doesn't it, it doesn't even replicate Touch ID. So one password on the Mac will use Touch ID, but it, it can't use the Apple Watch thing. And so yeah. uh, hopefully the Apple Watch thing, so oh, we should back up. If you're not familiar with it, in macOS Catalina, Apple added that if you were a wearing an apple watch you can use it as authentication. So they've done that for auto unlock for a couple of years now, right? I fuck be like that's been around for a while. But to do things like install software or to unlock a lock system preference pane, your apple watch buzzes, you double tap the side button and it it lets you move forward. That's not best I can tell, that's not open to third parties yet. I hope it is. I hope one password and others can integrate that in the future but it's really nice having touch id on a desktop and i wish that that we could have it in an external keyboard or something or you know but uh, not yet and you know maybe face id will happen at some point but uh, i've enjoyed having touch id but man the touch bar jumping around out of the corner of my eye like i'm actually going to have to move the laptop a little bit so it's a little bit more out of my line of sight because it's it's really noticeably distracting
0: yeah okay so you went with uh with the mac pro you went with 12 core 12 core upgrade you upgraded upgraded it slightly but not crazy uh i i I totally stand behind you on four terabytes i feel like you you know at this point for internal storage you're going to need it's just going to get worse over time and presumably you're going to have this computer a long time but the nice thing about the mac pro too is you you can add a lot of storage on the inside.
1: Yeah, if I if I need like there's a, there's a future I think that if I really am pushing up against this that I would go and get that internal 32 terabyte raid and just for stuff that's not on my boot drive. Like th- there is benefit to that, and because it's four drives, you can do RAID five where it's both fast and redundant. So th- there's all there are lots of opportunities for expansion, and because it's a Mac Pro, I can do it all inside and keep it nice and neat. Um, but yeah, yeah, the 12 cores, that's one step up from the bottom. And the 32 gigabytes of RAM is stock, 4 terabyte upgrade. Um, that's all that changed. I changed. I, I can see a, a future, too. I mean, a, I it's not
0: going to be impossible to imagine like an 8 terabyte SSD at a decent price in a year or two that you could also put internal. I mean, yeah. all that stuff just goes in the machine. You don't have to you know, duct tape it to the back like I do. Uh-huh. You don't have to deal with the slowdown and... Dealing, you know, with different, you know, USB C protocols and cases, so like you get the advantage of having all that built in. Did you uh, do Apple Care?
1: I did. Apple Care is two ninety nine, and that yeah. was a no brainer for me. <laughs> Buying a computer this expensive, Apple Care
0: gets easier the more money you spend. It you does. Know,
1: like, it the yeah. iMac Pro. I was like, yeah, I should do it. The Mac Pro is like instant, instantly added it. Yeah. A lot of people will want to know. I did not do the wheels. I thought about it. It's four hundred bucks, which is. Seems like a lot of money for what it is. You cannot upgrade them later. It's a different frame. Like the wheels and the feet are different frames. So I guess yeah. you could buy a frame on eBay or something, but you, you, I don't want to completely rebuild my computer. The reason I did the feet, uh, a couple reasons. One, to save the 400 bucks. Uh, two, it adds height to the MacBook Pro, or to excuse me, to the Mac Pro. And um, I feel like it's already going to be a little invasive under my desk. My desk isn't that big. And so we'll keep it a little bit lower. And honestly, I... I'm not going to need to pull it out all that often. And when I do, I can like shut it down and and unplug stuff safely and, you know, and do all that. So I feel like the wheels would be cool, but not really all that useful in the way that I work. I totally get if you're like our guest, uh, Thomas, like you're in one edit bay, then another, the wheels make a lot of sense. But for my needs, uh, I didn't feel like I needed them. And, you know, I've got a rug under my desk that this thing will sit on. It's like real low. It's like not like a, you know, crazy 70s rug, like a real low ply sort of deal i think it'll slide okay on that if i if i need to to get it out on occasion so
0: yeah you're gonna be great you're gonna love this computer i'm
1: I'm really excited i mean part of it is like as sort of a big mac guy i've never i've never owned a mac pro i mean i've got a couple now in my collection but i've never used a mac pro when it was new as my own Um, i had a job at one point that we had a mac pro but it was only for certain uses and part of it is for me like i'm excited to. To sort of have the halo cars, John Syracuse called it, right? To have the uh, the big boy, and it you know is now by far the most expensive computer I've, I've ever owned, and I'm very fortunate that I can I can do this. Um, but I'm really excited about it, and I, I think that um, it'll be it'll be fun to talk about this machine. And uh, I think it's just the beginning for like third party stuff, like internally. You know, right now, there's the only two drive expansions are from Promise. I imagine others will make them. I'd imagine if the the one I've bought cannot take a two and a half inch drive i think there'll be one out pretty soon that can so you can put ssds in it because ssds are always in the two and a half inch form factor so i'm excited to see how how long and, and how hard i can push this machine and i look forward to to having it for a really long time
0: i really hope apple is aggressive with third party and and first party like internal card support and they come up with new graphic cards and all sorts of cool stuff as we get into the future. I I'd love for them to really make this a platform. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about before we finish today, though, is so you sent your iMac Pro with your gorgeous twenty seven inch Apple five mm-hmm. K screen in the mail to somebody else.
1: I did, and I then put you a stamp bought, on it, I kissed it goodbye.
0: Yeah, and then you bought in anticipation of getting this new Mac. You didn't buy the six thousand dollar monitor. Nope. I mean, that that's good. I'm glad. I would have really given you trouble if you did that.
1: If I had, or if I do, uh, I may not ever tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, the, um,
0: but you've got the LG screen, which is, yeah. I guess, made in the same factory as the panels that are in the iMacs, according to some folks. But yeah. the, uh, I've never seen one. I mean, does it, as someone who's looked at an Apple iMac screen for years now, how does it differ now that you've got the LG screen on your desk?
1: It's definitely different. So it's not covered in a sheet of glass, which is weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's far, I mean, it is glossy, but it's not glass covered. So that yeah. is a little weird. Like, I feel like it's a little naked in a, in a sense. Look, the enclosure is ugly, right? Like it's black plastic. The camera's not very good. The speakers are horrendous in the 5k display. So one of these things I have to do now is find some external speakers. I like, and I, I've got, I got a pair of sound sticks I've been trying, but I, I don't know if I'm going to stick with them. So we'll, we'll see where I end up. But the stuff around the display is not awesome. Like, the stand is is okay. So It's, it's just like a PC display. It's black plastic. It's plastic, right? Yeah, it is black yeah. plastic. Ugh. Uh, but the panel is good. So, like, it is, with the glass being the big difference, very similar to the 5K iMac screen. And I haven't had any trouble adjusting to it. You know, the, the, the colors seem the same. The brightness range seems the same as the iMac Pro was. It's the same size. It's 5K at 27 inches. And honestly, like, yeah, the outside's not great, but what Matt—it's got it where it counts, so to say, so yeah. to speak, and uh, yeah, and so it's fine. It's not great. It's got it's not great looking as far as a object, but as far as a display, I'm perfectly happy with it. And it's if Apple were to make a 5K display, sort of in the spirit of the iMac or the Pro Display XDR, I'd probably be tempted by it. But the LG 5K. I think it's a bad rap in our community and I don't think it deserves it. Like, yeah, it's a little clunky looking, but past that, like it works like a Mac display. Okay. All the, all the buttons work. Everything is, is nice. The camera's all integrated as you would expect. It's a pretty good experience. It's just a little unfortunate that it's wrapped in black plastic. And it's got
0: the same pixel density. Like, you know, you make fun of my external 4K monitors. Right. They, don't, they don't have the same pixel density. They don't look as good. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why I actually work on the IMAX screen and I call these other screens reference screens. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to be like writing on those screens, but yeah. they're fine for reference. So, so I get it. And, and honestly, you know, it's all about what's under that desk for you. And, and I do believe I was there. I saw love at first sight. I'm glad that you got one. And I, I, I'm anxious to hear what works and what doesn't work. And like with such new hardware, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting story over the next year.
1: Somebody really different. I mean, I've, I've used an iMac since I built this studio. And before that, I was a MacBook Pro plus external display person. I've never – because I've never had – Uh, mac pro i've never used a mac mini as my primary computer so like a deal like the computer and display are separate i've never really done in a desktop situation so uh, i am i'm a little nervous about what that all means like i said i've got to find speakers i'm gonna have to basically rewire everything in here but i think at the end of the day i'll be i'll be really excited to get it
0: i think since you sent your imac off we'll have to do you'll have to send me some files and we can do uh, like render comparisons like a final cut render or something for one of your videos
1: yeah i would like to do that and i just i didn't have time to do that and it you know we can we can use mine yeah i need to sell so i'll use yours um <laughs> yeah because <laughs> uh, I, I think it will uh, it will smoke the iMac pro in, in some areas you know the gpu is not great as as the base gpu but i think the cpu going from 8 to 12 cores may may counteract that in final cut It depends on exactly what you're doing right like and yeah. the afterburner card wasn't even in the conversation for me, even though I do edit 4k pro res, the CPU and GPU will be fast enough where I, I can, I don't benefit from what the afterburner can do. That's definitely overkill. And you know, one thing you have to think about this is a, it's really easy to spend money like as you go, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you spend a lot more at the, at the end of the product's life than you expect, but it's only a certain number of slots as well. Right. So for me, like the afterburner wasn't really a consideration because I don't need it. And it takes up a slot where I may need those for storage or a, a better video card down the road. So you got to manage all that stuff over time. And and it may change over time. If I get to a point where I'm doing a lot more video or I go beyond 4K or I buy a second camera, I'm doing 4K 4K multicam. Maybe that would pay off. But at this point, it doesn't. So I don't need it. And that's what's cool about the Mac Pro. So we
0: can uh, we can uh, start making the Mac Power users a live video show at, that's <laughs> distributed in 8K. Don't with promise that. No, Stephen's face on one side and my face on the other. Look,
1: no one wants to see <laughs> us at 8K. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. You Nobody want really that. wants to see me at one K. To be honest <laughs> with
1: you. <laughs> so yeah, um, I told you. Now it's out. The cat's out of the bag. So. Ah, don't, don't worry. I mean, you're among family. Like I said, yeah.
0: I, I know for a fact, we have some listeners that are, uh, that are doing the same thing. And honestly, you're buying this, not just for what it is today, but what you can turn it into tomorrow. Totally. And, and I know that you will be doing cool stuff with it. If you're a listener and you need to, uh, to either make fun of Steven or better yet, affirm his choice because you bought one too. Yeah, that one, the forums that would one. be a great place. <laughs>
1: forums would be a great place. <laughs> I think so
0: yeah i I remember when I bought a three thousand computer in like nineteen eighty something, and that's basically the equivalent of what a mac pro costs now yeah and it it hurt, but I mean computers were just expensive back then
1: it did hurt um but yeah. you know've gotta move forward
0: you're good man and and we have got some great content coming up on the mac power users, so there right. we go. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU, or you can find the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. And um, thanks to our sponsors, one setup in Kensington. We'll see you next week.